Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, today we continue with part five of this series called Grow. Next week, we're going to take a break. We'll do the prayer, but I want to continue on this subject. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and that's where we're going to be at today. You know, the kind of life that God has for us is a kind of life that's always moving forward. You know, I heard somebody say that I really admire. They said this, they said, that's really all you can do is move forward. We have to move forward. And that's the kind of life that God has. He wants us to grow. Everybody say grow. But say like you want to do it. Say grow. He wants us to do it. He wants us to go from strength to strength, faith to faith. And the beauty of the God that we serve is that he's always wants something better for us. He always wants something better. We never reach a destination or achieve a goal without God challenging us to go further. I was listening to a message this week um, uh, from, from a, a trusted person that I listened to, and they were saying this exact same thing. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to Stephen Furtick this week, and he was talking about the names of God. And I thought, Man, that's pretty interesting because God is doing something in the earth where a lot of the same ministers are talking about things. Stephen Furtick didn't call me this week and go, hey, you think I should talk about the names of God, Phil? And I'm like, well, you know, let me pray about it. I'll get back to you. No, actually, there's something that's happening. And I thought I was really encouraged because I said, God is saying something. And here, I know that we talked about it, but I thought, well, this is good for our church. But actually, it's something that God is saying worldwide. And then when I heard about this, this week, another minister was saying, you know what, we never reach a destination or a goal that God's not challenged us to go further. I thought, this, that's what we're in. We're talking about this grow series in the grow series. And you know what? It is God's will that you grow. How many of you believe that? How many of you honestly believe it's God's will that you grow? Now, just because it's God's will doesn't mean that it's automatically going to happen. We have to desire. We have to be intentional about it. But it has to produce action in our life. And we talked about in part one that God has given us the grace to grow. There's grace for you to grow today. There's grace for me to grow today. But I want to talk about how God even gives us more than that. And so today I've entitled, Grow What You've Got. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Grow What You've Got. But I want you to put the emphasis on you. I want you to say, Grow What You Got. All right, you must not really like your neighbor, so let's try it again. Come on, say it to your other neighbor. Say, grow what you got. In Matthew chapter 25, it's a story, it's a parable that Jesus was talking about, and he was giving us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is like. And we live in this kingdom. We should know about this kingdom because it's an unshakable, immovable kingdom. It's the most powerful kingdom on this earth. It really is. And so he's talking about how this functions. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It says this, And again, it will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted him with his wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold. One translation says talents. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, according to his ability. Everybody say ability. Then... He went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went and once put his money to work. Come on, somebody say work. I know it's Labor Day, but say work. And he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man 
who had received five bags of gold, brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things, so I will make you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Another translation says, share in my joy. Verse 22, the man with the two bags of gold came. He said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, and I gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you, when you stand before God in eternity, you want to hear those words? Well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to hear, Phil, you lazy and wicked guy, right? Like this other guy's about to hear. But he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in the master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold said, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid and I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with banks so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is talking to us about the kingdom of God that you and I live in. And this parable tells us that the master gives his servant his own goods. Now, that may not mean a lot to you today, but in this society, if, if they were listening to this, they were a little bit shocked because they lived in a class-based system where the master didn't give their goods and resources to the servants. But I want you to understand something as we dive into this, that this is the grace of God. He actually gives to his people, his children, of his very own nature. He gives them of his very own resources. You know, when I read this, I I become very grateful because I always say to myself, God doesn't have to give me anything. He doesn't. I mean, think about it. What has God already given you? He's given you life. He's given you his son. Isn't that enough? I mean, if that was all, we could be grateful. We're all going to heaven. But he doesn't just give us grace. He actually gave them a talent. He gave them a piece of gold. So here's what I want you to know. If we're going to and you are going to grow what you have, here's number one. God has given every single one of you something to grow. Every single one of you has something. For those of you that I'm not just talking about changing your personality or changing an attitude. Those are good. Those are necessary. But I'm actually talking about instilled in you, God has given you something to grow. And I think this is beautiful because he gives us of his very own resources, right? Because some people will say, Pastor Phil, I really don't have anything to grow. No, you do. God has given you something to grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have something to grow. 
there's not one person in this room that doesn't have something to grow. It's amazing because that's how God has, has, has made us. Now, when you talk about a talent or this piece of gold, I think it's important to put into context what he's actually talking about. Because one talent was a unit of weight. It was usually 75 to 80 pounds of gold. How many of you know that that's a lot of gold? Even for one talent. So a, tingle, a single talent back then in Jesus' day would equal approximately 20 years in wages. So two talents was 40 years in wages. Five talents was 100 years in wages. And yet, God gave them resources. You have resources. God has gifted you with his own goods. And here's what he does. God deposits something in you, and he puts something in your hand that has the potential to increase your life. I think this is amazing because out of these three gentlemen, God was putting something in their hand that could that they could grow, that could possibly grow them as well. He put something in their hand that could increase their life. Let me say it this way. This is the reason why he put it in their hands, so they can grow it, so they can increase. Can I hear a good amen today? And so he never leaves someone without something to grow. He never leaves someone without something that could increase your life. Your life can increase. You have the potential, but here's, here's what happens. We don't realize that we have to do our part, that God gives it to you, but you know what? You're going to have to work it. You're going to have to do it. God has set you up to succeed. Here's number two. Although they received different amounts, they had the same opportunity and the same responsibility. Now, they all had different amounts, we read, but you know what? They all had the same opportunity. Mr. One Talent had the opportunity to make a 100% return, just like the other, just like the one with the five. They all had the same opportunity. They all had the same responsibility. So what God had given them had the potential, hear me, to bring a hundredfold return into their life. When you have five talents and you make five talents, that's a hundredfold. I'm not a mathlete, but I'm thinking it's a hundredfold. Anybody and the teachers in this room? Okay. Are you all asleep this morning? You're in Labor Day slumber? If I have one talent and now I have another talent, that's a hundredfold. Right? So they all had the opportunity to have a hundredfold increase in their life. You have that same opportunity because of what God has put in your hand. They had the opportunity to multiply and grow it. But the servant with the one talent, he didn't. He didn't double it. He didn't do anything with it. He hid it in the ground. And I think oftentimes in our lives, what happens is the abilities and the talents, I'm going to use that also because really this parable is about money. But we could also talk about the abilities and the talents that God has given you. God has given all of us many different talents. And listen, it did, you didn't get abilities and talents when you got born again. You got abilities and talents when you were born. Now, there are people in the world who have figured out how to use their talents. They don't acknowledge God with it. And we look at their life and we go, why are there such a success? Because they have found their calling. They're just not using it for God's glory. And there's a lot of Christians who have not found this gift and talent. It's not maybe that they don't know about it, but they don't value it. And they don't realize that what he gave you is actually his resources. So we should value it. We should value it. But oftentimes, here's what we do. 
we start to compare our one talent with the person who got five talents. And so what happens is comparing will always cause you to stop growing. It'll always stop you to start, stop, it'll always stop you from growing. Because when we start to con- compare, when we value what other people have, here's what we do. We devalue what we have. And the truth is, we all have different abilities. The truth is, you're actually a 10 in some area of your life. You're actually a 10 in some area of your life that I'm not a 10 in. And I'm a 10 in some area of my life that maybe you're not. That's why we need each other. But if you keep looking at my 10 and going, man, that's, that's just, you're going to devalue what God has placed in your life. The truth is some of you are gifted in hospitality. Some of you are gifted teachers. Some of you are gifted encouragers, right? But here's what happens. When we feel like my talent isn't a lot, that's why I read to you the matrix of what one talent was. The person who had one talent, that's a lot of gold. That's 75 to 80 pounds of, 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 of gold for one talent. So I know when we say one talent, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's actually a lot. Can I hear a good amen today? It's actually, it's actually a lot. You know, when I was uh, thinking about writing my first book, the first thing I did, and I got discouraged, is like, I'm not C.S. Lewis. I'm not Ralph Waldo Emerson. I'm not, I almost said Shania Twain. Mark Twain. But Shania Twain is making a comeback. Come on, somebody. I'm not Mark Twain. Who's going to read what I write? And so what I'm doing is I'm devaluing myself. And I'm not saying this to be prideful, but let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room have, and and please, just be honest. I'm not trying to put anybody down. But I'm just asking, how many of you have never read a book by C.S. Lewis? Let me see your hand. How many of you have never read? Lift it up high. I I want you to look around. All right? So here's my thought process. Everybody's read C.S. Lewis. Nobody's going to read what God would put in my heart. But you know that there are people who are reading my book that never have read C.S. Lewis. How many of you have never read a book by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson or a poem? He, he did po- How many of you have never read? Okay, look, look at all these hands, right? Right? How many of you have never met, read, read something that Mark Twain wrote? Let, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand, right? So look at all these hands. But in my mind... I'm devaluing myself, comparing myself to someone where there is really no comparison. Because God never called me to be Mark Twain. He never called me to be C.S. Lewis. He called me to be Phil Valdez. And he called me to write what he's placed on my heart. And can I just tell you something? I was talking to somebody this week. And I really, truly believe that every single person should write a book. I'm writing books right now because I'm thinking about my life when I'm gone. I'm thinking about my legacy, that I still want to be able to touch people's lives even after the grave. I want people to be able to pick up my book, and it would lead them to a salvation call because at the end of every book, there's a salvation call that people are still getting saved beyond my grave when I, when I die. And let me just tell you something. Each and every one of you has such a fantastic story, and if you never write about it, it's going to die with you. There are some of you that have a revelation on leadership in this room But if you never write a book, it's going to die with you. And it's not going to help anybody else. Some of you are incredible mothers. And and there's so many young girls who need the book that's inside of you. But unfortunately, because you'll never write it, guess what? It dies with you. And it doesn't help anybody else. Can I hear a good amen today? 
And so what we do is we devalue ourselves because, you know, to be honest, I was just like, I don't even know who's going to read it. But then, you know what, God started to really minister to me. He says, yeah, Phil, but what if one person reads it and they give their life and their heart to me? Isn't that worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it. So I have to start, stop looking around and start looking within. Stop comparing myself to what everybody's doing and start doing what God has called me to do. Can I hear a good amen today? And it's funny because I didn't even know how do you write a book and there's all of these obstacles that what do I do? What program on the computer should I use and all that? And then finally I just said, you know what? I'm going to get on the computer and I'm just going to start writing what God has put in my heart. And I'm going to type it out in Microsoft Word and then somebody can convert it. Do you know that right now you can pretty much do a book for free on Amazon? You just have to have somebody to form it, format it. But you can do that if you just go to YouTube. And, and it won't really cost you anything to upload it, and people can buy it. And people can be blessed by your story. But you know what? You're going to have to release what God has placed on the inside of you. But what we do is we compare ourselves. God never gave me their talent. He only gave me my talent. And comparing will cause you to bury your talent instead of using it. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Are you glad you came to church today? It says, for we dare not classify ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves, right, among themselves is not wise. There's a lot of themselves in there. And the Bible says that when we look around and we start looking at other people's talents, it's very possible that we can do nothing with the talent that he actually gave us. This is good this morning. And so what happens is comparing is actually the wrong focus because comparing actually breeds competition. I love competition in sports, but not in relationships. And you know what? I just hope that my book would be a blessing to people. I hope that my book would touch people's heart. But it was in my mind that I'm comparing, and then it breeds this competition in my life that maybe I shouldn't do it, right? And uh, who's going to be greater? But to be honest with you, my church family, that's not even how God sees it because he never gave me their talent. He just gave me mine. And so this one talent servant, what he does is he buries his talent. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say if he's comparing, but the Bible does talk about he had fear. He had fear to use what God had given him. And so he exposed his fear and buried his talent when he should have buried his fear and exposed his talent. Let me just say this. I'm just talking about a book because I just finished the Into the Deep book. And, you know, the truth is, is that I'm never going to please everybody. Not everybody may like it, but that's okay. I'm a little proud of myself because I didn't do too well in school. I failed the seventh grade. I barely graduated high school. I did go to Bible college. I never really liked a school institution. So I don't consider myself as a brilliant person. But I will tell you, when people, I just got a, a recommendation endorsement for Into the Deep from Dr. Mike Maiden. He's a doctor in psychology. And he read it. And he gave me an incredible endorsement. And I just look at it. And I said, this is the grace of God in my life. This is the grace of God. Because I'm a guy who I didn't do well. But you know what? If God gave me a talent, I'm going to use it for his glory. 
And it doesn't matter who likes it. It matters who it touches and who it changes. That's what matters. Can I hear a good amen today? And I want to encourage you because there's something in your life that God has given you to help others. But if you keep looking around and you start having fear and say it's not going to matter, it may not matter to the wrong people, but it will matter to the right people. And that's who we're going for. I don't really, I'm not concerned about the people who criticize me and the people who aren't here. What I'm concerned about are the people that are here and their lives are growing and they're changing and they're becoming more like Jesus. Can I hear a good amen today? That's why God doesn't just have one preacher. There's tons of preachers. So there's Joyce Meyer, there's T.D. Jakes, there's Stephen Furtick, there's all of these different people. Why? Because all of them have a different voice and they're all reaching different people. And my voice may not sound like their voice, but that's okay. It's the voice that God has given me. Some people will like it, some people won't. And if you don't, God bless you. I will pray for you because the Bible says to pray for my enemies. But you know what? I'm going to love people and the people that I can love and the people that I can reach, I'm going to reach who God has called me to reach. Can I hear a good amen today? So here's the reality. What God had given them wasn't meant to be buried. The gold wasn't meant to be buried in the ground. God gave the servant the gold, listen to this, to use it. Think about it, just in the context of even gold, that God would give this servant gold, not just to bury it, but he says, here, here's one block of gold. Go use it. That's pretty amazing. If somebody gave me that, I would honor that. So instead of using it and investing it and to build it to grow, he hid it. I think not only comparison stops us from growing, but you know there's another thing that stops us from growing and actually using our talent. It's called perfectionism. Perfectionism stops you even before you start. Perfectionism is a dream killer because, listen to this, I'll write this down. Perfectionism is just fear disguised as trying to do your best. Somebody said perfectionism doesn't make you feel perfect. It actually makes you feel inadequate. I know that. I struggle with this a lot. I want everything to be perfect. It's something I have to change because how many of you know life is not perfect? Life has twists and turns and how you thought things were going to happen, it doesn't happen. And I've really, part of that and a little bit of that is control because I like things settled because it's easier when things are settled because I don't have to do anything. I can just relax. But with life being so unsettled and things moving and happening, it causes me to trust God in areas that I wouldn't have trusted him before. Are you getting something out of today? I love things to be done in the spirit of excellence. But when we talk with our leaders, I always tell them we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for excellence. And there's a difference between doing the best with what you have where you're at than trying to control everything. And that's what we want our church to be. We want our volunteers. We want you to do with excellence. Just give your best. And here's the reality. See, here's my biggest challenge. My biggest challenge isn't my competition. My biggest challenge is Phil Valdez. My biggest challenge is I have to change. But I can look at you and think all of the, what you're doing, and I'll never do what you're doing and all that thing. But the, the truth is it's the wrong focus because if I start to focus on how can Phil be the best that God wants him to be, that changes the game. Because that's honestly what God is going to look at your life, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what is in your hand? What, what, did, you, what did you do with the gold that I gave you. I chose this translation of gold because I think it, it's, it's gold. Giving gold. God values that and he gets that and he puts it into your hand. 
And here's the great news. I love this because if you're going to grow what you got, number three, you already have the ability to grow. You know what the Bible says? He gave them the gold. He gave them the gold dependent on the ability that they had. But let me ask you a question. Who gave them the ability? So not only God, not only did God give them the gold, he actually gave them the ability to handle the gold that he gave them. Say, I'm capable. Say, I am able. I'm capable. I'm able. How are you able? You know why? Because God already gave it to you. If he gave it to you, that means he gave you the ability to use it. When I did this message this week, it really encouraged me. Because sometimes I doubt myself too. I do. And I have to remind myself that people are people can, people can be people sometimes. And Jesus said that out of four types of soil, only one is going to produce. So I'm preaching my heart out. And when people don't live according to the word of God, I take that personal sometimes. Because I'm just like, God, am I just not doing my job? Am I not doing what I, what, what I, what I need to be, to be doing? You know, and so with that said, it's very easy for me to get into perfectionism. It's very easy for me to think that I don't have the ability. But I want to remind every single one of us, as God reminds me, that whatever he's asked you to do, he's already placed in you the ability since you were born to do it. So you can handle what he's given to you because you already have the ability. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, say, I am able. Come on, say, I am able. So he gives it to you according to the ability that he already gave you. Are you starting to realize that it's all about him? <laughs> Less about you. He just wants you to use what he gave you. To whom much is given, much is required. And the fact that he gave it to you means that you already have the ability to handle it. Whew. If it's on your plate, you can do it. Come on, say, I can do it. Now notice this, God didn't require more from them than the ability he had already invested in them. I'm going to say that again because that's good. God didn't require more from them than the ability he already invested in them. This is where we get in trouble, especially when we're comparing ourselves because we're comparing ourselves to somebody and they have the ability, but you don't have that ability. But you think because you value that, then what happens is you go, man, I just... Man, I just guess I'm worthless. I guess, no, that's not. You just need to know what God has placed in you because what God has placed in you is as special as what he's given them. The problem is, is you don't know what God has given you because you're so busy looking at them. Oh, they're so beautiful. Yeah, you're beautiful too. They're so talented. You're so talented too. But the problem is you have the wrong focus because you keep looking at them instead of looking at him and say, God, what do you want me to do? Can I hear a good amen today? Is this helping you? So God gives us assignments according to the abilities he's already placed in you. And he's never going to require more than what he's already replaced, placed in you. You know, we have to remember when we talk about growth that God is the one who gives us our abilities. Listen to this, and I think this is going to help you. De Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, it says, you may say to yourself, I have become wealthy, but whom, and by, by my strength, let me read that again, you say to yourselves, I have become wealthy by my own strength and by my own ability, but remember the Lord your God, because he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth in order to confirm his covenant that he promised by an oath of your ancestors. 
as it is the case today. So watch this. Does God give me wealth? No. He gives me the ability to produce wealth. Let me help you for a minute. God doesn't make lemonade. He makes lemons. But if you want lemonade, you're going to have to go down to the store and use your ability to squash them, suckers. Come on, somebody. Right? And make lemonade. But you can pray, oh, God, oh, Lord, oh, send me some lemonade. And so as we talk about ability, this is so important. God's not going to do, God's not going to do what you can do. He's going to do what you cannot do. And some of us are praying and going, God, nothing is impossible with you. Yeah, but can I ask you a question? Are you doing what is possible with you, though? Oh, God, give me that job. Have you filled out an application? Because God's not doing that for you. Can I hear a good amen today? He's not going to do what you can do. He's going to do what you can't do. And he's not going to give you something that he's given you the ability to produce. I was listening. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. I love lemonade. It's delicious. (laughs) I really do. I make the the craziest Arnold Palmers, non-alcoholic. But you know what? It's in my ability to go to the store, grab the lemons. I was listening to uh, T.D. Jakes this week, and he was talking about this with this scripture, and here's what he said. I thought it was very profound. He said, God doesn't make furniture. God only makes trees. So if you want furniture, you need to go to the tree and make the furniture that you need. He says, when you see trees, you need to see the furniture that comes out of the tree. But so many of us are praying for furniture. God says, I don't make furniture. I gave you the ability to take that tree and you can make pencils with it. You can make furniture with it. You can make paper with it, but it's all within your ability. But when you see the tree, you have to see what you need from that tree. Can I hear a good amen today? So with wealth, he doesn't just give us wealth, but in you, within you, there is the ability that God can produce that into your life. But if you don't understand your own abilities, if you don't value what God has placed in your life, you may never step into wealth. In the uh, Into the Deep book, I was doing some research, and this, this baffled me because a lot of people just think, well, okay, let's talk about wealth. Let's talk about being rich. I'll just win the lottery. Do you know that 70% of people who win the lottery lose it? You know why? Because they don't have the ability to keep it. Because they didn't earn it through ability. And I'm not saying that we have to earn stuff, but what I'm saying is they didn't use the ability to be able to get it so they lose it. There's a show, it was out on Netflix, it's, uh, he's a billionaire. And so what they did was they took this billionaire and uh, they put him in a small town and they just gave him $100. They said he can't use any of, his, any of his contacts, any of that, any of his wealth. He has to take this $100 and I think it was in within 60 days, he has to produce a million dollars. He's a billionaire. Guess what? He took $100 and within 30, I think it was maybe 60 days, he had over a million dollars. Why? Because it was in his ability to produce it no matter where he was, no matter what was going on. That's powerful. And even he says, this millionaire says, millionaires can lose money, they can lose all of it, but they'll regain it. Why? Because they know how to work their abilities. Man, that's powerful. And so what we do at church, a lot of times, is we're just praying for stuff, 
And God's like, why are you praying? Use what's in your hand. That's what he told Moses. Remember, he was on the precipice of the Red Sea, and he's like, God, help us. And God says, what do you have in your hand, Moses? Stretch that out. When Moses stretched it out, the sea opened. You know, I was reading about Samson. A thousand Philistines were attacking Samson. The Bible says he picked up in his hand the jawbone of a donkey, and he killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Why? Because he knew what was in his hand. Not only do you have the ability, but you have the anointing of God on your life. Can I hear a good amen today? Are you learning something today? And so what is it that you need? Well, I'll tell you what. Well, Pastor Phil, I need finances. Here's the great news. You already have the ability to be able to get it. But you have to go to him. You have to spend time with him and let him show you all of those things. Are you getting something out of today? Now I'll tell you something. I can invest because God has already invested in me. You've heard me say many times, God always makes a deposit in your life before he makes a withdrawal. That's the grace of God, right? But this whole parable is really about, and think about this. This is the amazing grace of God. This whole parable is about the master wanting his servants to live at his level. He wanted the the servants to experience. It says twice, come experience my joy. That's why he put something in your hand. He put you and gave you an ability. Why? So you can experience what he experiences. But the two, they did. They invested it. Let me say it this way. They gave. They gave out of a cheerful heart. Do you know why I think that one reason why God is so joyful, it's not just a part of his character, but God is also joyful because he's incredibly generous. This is why God says, I love a cheerful giver because once you start giving, it's actually addictive. Once you break greed in your life, giving... It's actually addictive. Sometimes I have to be careful because I could give all my money away. And then I'm not going to have any food. i got to be wise about it. Right? I have, to, I have to be wise. But you know what? Some of you will never know the, tro- the, 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 the true joy of giving until you understand the joy of giving. Right? And so these guys were willing to invest. They were willing to give their gold to make it work. You know, I think that giving and receiving is a lot like inhaling and exhaling. You can't just live life inhaling. You got to exhale. But so many people are, gimme, 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 gimme. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. But giving is receiving. Giving goes back and forth and back and forth. That's why it says God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because he didn't say, here's Jesus. You sinful people. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave because he not just loved, he so loved the world. And giving always comes out of that love. But you know what? Fear is going to try to stop you from giving. It's going to cause you to bury what God has given you, and you'll never live up to your, your full potential. 
I really believe that's part of where depression comes in, discouragement comes in, is people not, are not fulfilling their purpose. In my church family, the Bible says that even before you were born, God knew you. He had abilities that he was going to place inside of you. He already had a purpose for your life. That is where true satisfaction comes from. Can I hear a good amen? Is the reality of your purpose being manifested in your life. It's strategic. If we're going to grow what we have, here's number four. We have to know that we're stewards and not owners of his resources. The talents he gave the servants were for them to manage and oversee, but it wasn't for them to keep. And we have to understand that everything good comes from God. You know, David said this, 1, Corinthians, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, he says, But who am I? And who are my people that we should give you anything? Talking about God. Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you gave us. Isn't that so true? So God gives me gold and he gives me a talent. I go give it. And then now I have another talent, a hundredfold. I'm giving back to him only what he has already given me. Can I hear a good amen today? So here's the goal. The master wanted the servants to have his attributes. He never wanted the servants to live on a servant's level. He wanted them to live on his level. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? When he had wasted everything that his father gave him, and he was eating with the pigs, and he decided to go home because he was hungry, and he had a rehearsed speech in his head, and his rehearsed speech was, I just want to be a servant. Do you know when you read the story and the, the father comes running to him and he wraps his arms around him, the son never gets to tell the father how he wants to be a servant because the father is so busy lavishing him with all the things that a son should have. And so God even though he had messed up this son, God, who represents the father, never wanted his son to live at a servant's level. He wanted his son to be his son. Yes, sons serve because we learn that through Jesus. But you and I are not just servants. We are sons and daughters of the most high God who have the honor of serving other people like Jesus. And that was the goal. The goal was that I want the servants to experience my joy. He wants you to experience his joy. How much joy do you have in your life right now? Security? How much joy do you have? Because I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody, but I'm just telling you so many of us have just settled in our lives for paying bills, going to work, and for some of us, we're not even doing things that our abilities are capable of. And that's where I think the house of God comes in. Because we let you here at the, at, the, at the church start to work on things, function in your abilities. And some people that started in the house of God doing something in their ability that they weren't being paid for, they started doing it here in the house of God, and they grew that ability. And guess what? They ended up getting hired for that somewhere else. And they were joyful now. Because they actually love what they do. That's the goal. Is that not true? 
And so the master says, come on, I want my attributes in you. See, because they had to have faith to be able to give that gold, work that gold, invest that gold. They wanted his character. One of his characters is generosity. How many of you know God doesn't operate by fear? He only operates by faith. So they knew the master wanted them to grow something, build something. And so they were faithful over the little. If you are not faithful over the little, it could be that you don't understand the value that God has given you that because it's little. But that's what God does. He gives you something little because he wants you to value it. Because if you'll value little, then you will value much. Because much has to be valued. So he told the two, well done, good and faithful servant. So I thought about this because this is really, this is really an incredible revelation. So to God, faithfulness isn't just maintaining. To God, faithfulness is increasing. Everybody say increasing. Say, I have what it takes to increase. Say, I have what it takes to grow. So I will grow. So this servant buried his, and eventually he lost what he had. I used this in one of the messages the other day in our growth series, and I told you in marriage, when people don't grow, one spouse is growing, one is not. You can lose your marriage because you could ask, you could literally uh, act immature and never grow, and you can lose what you had. That's what Jesus was talking about. This is what this guy lost gold. But here's the great news for some of us who want to step into what God has for us. If he gives us the gold and talents according to our own ability, Mr. Five Talent not only had and got five more talents, he also picked up what one talent lost. So that means I can grow my ability and God can open up new opportunities that he won't do for other people that aren't growing what they have. But can I say this? Don't get mad at me because I'm picking up what you lost. I want to walk into what God has for me. And I want you to do it too. I want you to step into the joy of the master. I want you to experience what the God kind of life, the abundant life that God came to give us. I want you to walk in that. And I want you to be able to bless other people. I want to close with this. This is a tragedy. Because one talent servant starts to blame God. He starts to blame the master. I knew you were a hard man. So blah, 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 blah. I think it's funny. If I gave Anita a piece of gold and she turns around and goes, man, Phil's a jerk. Right? I give you a, one thing of gold worth a year's worth of wages. And you turn around and go, man, that dude is mean. There's something wrong with this guy. But I want to say this because I think it's so true. What he didn't know about God caused him to lose in life. The Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So I talk to people all the time, and they say, oh, what does it matter if I get into God's word? What does it matter if I pray? Well, you're not going to know the master. You're not going to have a relationship with the master that when you're walking throughout your life and he can speak to you and tell you go this way or go that way, knowing the master, because what you don't know about the master could cause you to lose in life. And that was never the master's will. The master's will was you experience what he experiences. Here's number five. God desires that we enjoy the fruit of growth. 
If you're faithful, listen, growth is inevitable. I want to say that again. If you're faithful, growth is inevitable. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. Right? Um, it's hard to be faithful sometimes, especially when you're looking at other people and it looks like they're not being faithful and they're moving ahead. But, you know, I was thinking about my life because that's all I can think about right now. I was thinking about how hard it is to be a pastor sometimes. You know, being a pastor is in the five top hardest jobs in the world. President, by, uh, college, I think they said uh, doctor and pastor because you're with people all the time. You're with them and when they're up and they're down. You're with one couple who's celebrating their marriage, and then you have to do a funeral for a little child the same week. It's just a lot. It's hard to be faithful. But you know what? I've done my best to be faithful. I've had friends who started churches and they're no longer around. For one reason or another, they're no longer around. But you know what? I believe this. I believe if I'm faithful, growth is going to be inevitable. You know one reason why? Because I'm still here. Come on, say, I'm still here. Come on, say, I'm still here. After COVID, I'm still here. Come on. I'm still here. And I'm going to be faithful. And the master kept saying, enter into my joy. My church family, growth is so worth it. Because you know, living a stagnant life has pain attached to it too. And you know what I've learned in my personal life? The pain of staying the same oftentimes is worse than the pain of growth. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind. Listen, if God didn't want you to prosper, he wouldn't have put what he put in your hand. But he's placed and he's given you abilities. He's given you anointing. He's given you something to be faithful with. But the question is, what will you do with it? God gave you what he gave you so you can experience the joy and the fruit of growth. But you have to grow what you've got. Not what I have, not what your mom has, your father. You've got to grow what you've got. Okay, I'm going to say this and then we're going to pray. Stop looking at your age. Stop looking at your body type. Stop looking at all these things that in essence don't even matter. Listen, if you're still here, whether you're 60 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, or 80 years old, if you're still here, God's not through with you yet. And the best is yet to come because we're going to grow. Can I hear a good amen? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.